Welcome to the Boxing Life Podcast with me, Tony Jeffries. On this episode, we've got boxing enthusiast and guitar player for the Foo Fighters, Chris Schiffler. We talk a lot about Chris auditioning for the Foo Fighters, the craziest things that's happened to him on tour. Uh, we go into boxing versus MMA, and also his time he spent in Sunland. Sunland, the city where I'm from in the northeast of England. We talk about his time there and how he enjoyed it. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this podcast with Chris Schiffler from the Foo Fighters. Hello and welcome to the Boxing Life Podcast with me, Tony Jeffries. On today's episode, we've got a rock star, Chris Schiffler from the Foo Fighters. Chris, how's it going, mate? It's going very well. It's a wonderful Sunday. Yeah, thank you for coming on the show. And alongside me, we've got Glenn, Mr. Six Figure Holmes. Chris, how's I don't know if you know this, we call him Six Figures. Cause you're six in Figures. Six Figures, because you're in Six Figures doing personal training. Yes, and he we, does. And we, found, and, we found, and we found out that... The average income for a personal trainer in America is 30 grand. So he's earning like three, four times more. Yeah, we just found Five of out. those six figures are from me. Yeah, there you go. My personal trainer. Yeah, guy. you know how much he charges. Yeah, I just train Chris twice a week and then the rest of the week I just, just sit on my ass. <laughs> just kick it, baby. So I'm excited to have you on here, Chris. Uh, Chris, uh, so you're obviously the guitar player for the Foo Fighters. Indeed. Let's start off and tell me how all that come about because these are one of the biggest bands in the world. Well, I've been in the band coming up, um, you know, this summer, it will be 18 years since I joined Foo Fighters. Wow. I joined in the summer of 1999. Um, and I, um, at the time, I was playing a band called No Use for a Name that Glenn actually saw in way back when he was, he was a young boy. Wow. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I was playing a band called No Use for a Name, and uh, the opportunity came up to go try out for Foo Fighters, and I, I jumped at it. And I actually had a couple of auditions. About a week apart and after the second one they called me the next day and we're like you got the gig so it's pretty much been go 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 ever since how you did know? you feel when you got that were you just like wow it's amazing were you kind of was the full fighters a band before or? you got in them was it two questions i want to see but i want to know i'll, I'll get them both yeah. was the full fighters a band before oh yeah you went in no them? i joined oh, yeah. i joined right after they had made their third record so they right. were already, a, you know, they were like my favorite band, you know, at, wow. at that time. So in answer to your question, how I felt, I mean, I felt like I had, like my dreams had come true, you know? Yeah, like I, was, I really could not. It was, of all the bands, of all the rock bands that were out there at that time, that was the one that, that you know, like with No Use for a Name, every time we would get ready to go on tour, we'd always give our booking agent like our dream list of bands that try to get support slots. And Foo Fighters was like always at the top of that. So yeah. And then you got selected for that. And was it an instant life changer? It wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, it was in the sense that all of a sudden I was in this band that was a lot bigger than any band I'd ever been in. Um, but, you know, I was still living in my apartment back in San Francisco with my friends. And so, you know, I'd go out and, and do all this crazy stuff. Um, out on the road and uh and was exposed to this you know just like a, a crazy world that i'd never seen um right. and just even things like i'd never had my own hotel room on wow. on tour i'd never had like you know a, a bunch of road crew dude like i didn't have to touch my guitar you know what i mean i didn't have to change my strings like all that kind of stuff wow. was it's just like little things like that that are totally different but then i'd go home and it was just you know i'd just be with how old with were my you? friends back in san francisco I was uh, 28. 28. And, and then, like I said, so it was, was kind of like a life changer, right? Oh, yeah. And then how did you deal with all the fame and all that straight away? Well, that's the funny thing. Like, like, even now, 18 years into it, like, I'm not like a celebrity, really. Like, no. in, like you know what I mean? Like, I'm not Justin Timberlake. You know right. what I mean? I'm not like a recognizable guy. Like, um, and, 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 you know, I'm in a band, so, and I'm not the front man. You know what I mean? So that side of it has never 
been a huge factor. I mean, maybe if we're on tour or something, there might be some fans out in front of the hotel or something like that. But, but um, it's kind of the best of both worlds. Right. So do you, do you get recognized a lot or not? Not a ton. Not, I mean, maybe like by like really hardcore Foo Fighters fans, but yeah. like walking down the street. I mean, I got off the, a plane the other day. I was coming back. I was out doing a little uh, solo tour because I just put out like a solo record. And I was coming back from that and the pilot on the plane recognized me. Wow. And, and as I was getting off, asked me if I'd take a picture with him. And I was standing there like taking a picture with the pilot. And then I was like, all right, thanks. And I kept walking. And the guy that was walking off right then was like, Why'd, that, why'd the pilot want to take a picture with you? <laughs> I was like, oh, and then you have to go into the whole thing. Well, I'm in this band. And, you know, of course, like, he knows who the Foo Fighters are. Yeah, right. Fuck yeah. Was. So you know one of those guys who's like, oh, it's nice to come away here because I'm not getting, I, I can just be myself and not get recognized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, not too much. Yeah. So you're like, hey, who wants to take a picture? Yeah. <laughs> so you're all a very humble guy and you come in and you talk to everyone and, and you, you work hard and, uh, it was funny, me and Glenn went to, I know it's a friend of yours, Travis Barker. Travis oh, Barker. Sure. We went to his gig with a, a Blink-182 yeah. in Vegas a, f- a few months ago. And he's, he got us in and all that. And he said, come backstage after the gig. And you know, and me and Glenn were like, wow, what's this going to be like? It's like, we're going backstage at a rock stars uh, <laughs> event and all that. And we didn't know if it was going to be girls there, people sniffing cocaine or fucking strippers. <laughs> yeah. or we didn't know what to expect. Yeah. We get there. Travis is there. In at that ju- level, you know what I mean? You would expect. At, at like yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, because sure. you hear the stories about rock stars. Yeah. And, we, and we get back there and Travis is there with all his kids, his friends. He's got a massive fruit bowl, a smoothie machine, a treadmill oh, yeah. and all that. Battle yeah. ropes out, treadmill, oh, no, I just smoothies. Opened, I just opened up for kids. Mike Ness. You guys will love this. I just opened up for Social Distortion up in Seattle. Yeah. And he's got a boxing gym out there with him. Oh, so he's, he sound checks and one of the trucks that like carries their gear, um, when they get all the gear out, they set up the bags, and he's got a full boxing gym. Shit. So he sound checks, goes and has a full <laughs> boxing workout, nice. and then goes, you know, and takes a shower, plays his game. That's gig. amazing. Yeah. What's the, it's like, a sign of the times, I think. Totally. Yeah. Well, we're all old. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, it's like maybe you can't. If, maybe if I did all that stuff you're talking about with the cocaine and the girls and all that stuff, but it was when <laughs> yeah. I was in No Use for a Name and maybe right, early right. in the Foo Fighters. Right? Yeah. But, right. uh, but now, you, I mean, you, you come out to our shows, I always say people would be. So disappointed. So let's just pretend that we're still doing that. But, um, <laughs> but no, you know, in the summertime, especially, I'm, we're getting ready to go on tour um, this summer. And it's like a, a big family trip. Everybody brings their kids and their, nice. and their wives and their nannies and everything. Yeah. And it just turns into, a, it's like a big roving play date around Europe. When you're on tour, like, let's see this trip coming up, how many times will you play? It's like, um, I, that's a very good question. I don't know. We're out for, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, or normally, I don't know. <laughs> I right? don't have so, any so, idea. So normally on a normal I mean, probably tour? like, you know, four shows a week or something like that, I'm right. guessing, you know, probably on How average. exhausting is that? It's, it is, well, it's probably most exhausting for Taylor, you know, because he's the drummer, and, and super exhausting for Dave, because Dave's like bouncing around a stadium, you know, right. running all over the place. It's probably a little less exhausting for me, but it's still... Uh, it's exhausting because we have really long shows, you know, like our shows are like two and a half, three hours nowadays. Yeah. Right. Um, cause the band's been around for a long time. There's a lot of songs you got to play to, for people to, you know, you want people to leave and feel like they saw every song that they wanted to see. So do you still get nervous or not? I get nervous. I get more nervous at the beginning of a tour cycle. Like when you have a new album, cause that's when you're playing new songs live right. for the first time. It's like, I don't get super nervous 
playing a song like, you know, Learn to Fly that I've played eight yeah. million thousand times and could probably play in my sleep at this point. Right. But a song off the, you know, whatever your new record is at that time that you're like, oh, no, I'm going to screw up the bridge. Yeah, like, yeah. that's yeah. where you get that little. Yeah. What about, let's talk about your, your solo stuff, because I know you've brought out a solo album as well yep. under your own name for yep. the first time, right? Yeah. So yeah. for those shows, the smaller, more intimate shows, we just saw you recently down yeah. in downtown L.A. There was like a couple of hundred people there. Yeah. Great gig. Do you would do you feel more nervous for those shows than you do doing Foo oh, Fighter yeah. gigs? Because it's like the attention's on you more. Well, it's, it's, it's more intimate. Yeah, right? I mean, when plus you know, in my solo thing, I'm singing. Yeah. I think singing is like the most ultimately vulnerable thing you can do wow. on a band. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Your guitar is not your voice. You know, your drums aren't your voice right. or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like it's your solo thing, and it's like the lyrics and vocals and everything. So there's a this whole other level to it that that um, is super nerve wracking. But then also um, you're in a little space, so people are like as close as we are. Yeah, and like you can. You can see. There's nowhere to hide. There's there. nowhere to hide. <laughs> you know, they, you know that they know when you just blew it. Right, right. <laughs> is that something that you've always wanted to do? Like go out on your own and do your own thing? Or not is- really? No, definitely not. When I was younger, um, I started making my own little records. Like, you know, in the early 2000s, um, I had a band called Jackson United for a little while, and then and then was doing a thing called Chris Shifflett and the Dead Peasants, and then now this. I don't, I think when I was younger, I just wanted to be the guitar player in a band. I didn't really, right. like, I didn't want to be, I mean, I wanted to be on stage and doing the whole thing and the whole rock and roll thing, but I don't think I had um, any real, like, ambitions to, like, be a singer or a frontman or anything like that. I kind of right. tried when I was in high school and I was, I was terrible and, and it was so kind of embarrassing that right. I was like, I don't want to do that. I like yeah, playing yeah. guitar. It's easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just, one thing I've noticed about people who's like successful like you are, or whatever career they're in, yeah. going back to fitness, is is when you come in the gym, you work your ass off. And I know I, I've been out with Glenn before, and it's like, I, I can't have any more drinks. I'm training Chris in the morning, and he wants to spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know when you come in yeah. here, you work, you work your ass off. And, yeah. Uh, is that so, to, go on. I was just going to say, it's something we mention and see a lot of. It's like the more successful people are outside of the gym. Hmm. They're the ones that, like really push themselves through that comfort zone and really grind in the gym. It's weird. Interesting. Whereas yeah. like the high school kids just come in and just mess about. <laughs> well, I was going to say that's kind of, a, I think that probably has something to do with with hitting a certain point in your life where like I, I know for myself when I was younger, like when I was a teenager and a young adult, like I had no ability to sort of focus and, um, you know, kind of finish uh projects or what you know whatever i just had i was just kind of a flounder you know right. and music was fun and i did it and i always wanted to like make it or whatever but i didn't um i looked back at that time in my life and think it was just a sort of a lot of unfocused goofing around whereas you hit a certain point in your life and you're like every like i'm a not only my in in a band and and you know whatever else i got going on in my life but i'm a, I'm a dad too right you know and right. that's like and that's a full-time job in itself you know just having a family so for me, every moment of every day matters and is yeah. compartmentalized. And yeah, like, yeah. I got to go to the gym and I got to get that hour of yeah. just like balls to the wall. Yeah. And because that's the only time I'm going to have to do that. Right. Period. Yeah. yeah. It's just that feeling you get afterwards, right? You just you feel productive after you've been in the gym. Oh, just yeah. like as it, you would as if you've, you know, just completed recording an album or whatever it is. I think. Yeah, we've done something with the kids. It's like that task's completed now. And you Absolutely. feel better after it as soon as yeah. it's done. One question I had was when when did you first realize that it hit that you were like, okay, I'm I'm gonna be a professional musician 
probably for good now. It like really set in because in the early days you're touring and you're strolling, you're in vans and you're moving around and all that. And like you said, in the beginning you just do it out of love and for fun, right? Yeah. When did it kind of hit you? What time period would you say it was when you were like, okay, this is my career now, this is my job, this is what I'm going to get paid to do probably well, for the rest of my life? It's funny because I didn't like, you know... Or did you never think like that? Well, I, I, I do and I don't. I, I, like, I knew from the time that I was like maybe 14 years old that, that I wanted to be a mm-hmm. musician like for real and that was, gonna, that was what uh, set my sights on or whatever. Yeah. Then, I, you know, I went and did, you know, played in bands for years and years and was in No Use for a Name. And actually, by the time that I was coming to the end of my time and no use for a name, I honestly kind of felt like, you know, I'm 28 years old. This is probably as far as this is ever going to go. And that's cool. You know, I'm, this has been great. You know, I've yeah. gotten a lot further. I've been able to make records and, and tour. And, and I was starting to think about other things. You know, right before I joined Foo Fighters, really? I, and this is going to sound totally ridiculous, but like I, you know, I dropped out of high school. I never went to college, yeah. you know, and was a terrible student. And I went um, that spring, I went to San Francisco City College for a semester and took like a full load of classes and got straight A's. And like, right. and it was the first time, like kind of what we're talking about, your time in the gym. Like yeah. I had finally hit a point in my life where I could actually see that through, you know? Right, right. And I don't know what would have happened. I don't know if I would have continued in no use. I'm sure I would have at least for a while. Yeah. But I was, but my point is I was starting to think about like, well, what's the next thing for me and 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 I was starting you know and maybe that was going to be like go back to school my dad had had always said you know if you ever want to go to city college or you could always come live with me for free and you know and what would you think you were done I don't I have no idea I have no (laughs) idea because I never did it you know what I mean because right after that I joined Foo Fighters and then that was really for me when it felt like oh you know this is this is going to be my life yeah yeah, forever I mean I, I felt like that I guess I felt like, I guess I just never really thought about that in, in no use until sort of the end where I felt like, you know, it's been a good run, but I, now I'm starting to think about doing something else. Right, right. Yeah. You know? So, Chris, uh, you played at Sunderland, at my home city, at the yes. Stadium of Light. And I remember when you were there at the Stadium of Light, you sent, you, I think you sent me a selfie and you got a, a football shirt. How was that experience? I mean, I know you've probably traveled, well, you have, you've traveled around the world, played everywhere, but how was Sunderland? That was a great gig. Um, I remember, I remember that day. I don't remember exactly where that was in the touring. I feel like that was maybe towards the beginning. I feel like that was maybe right before Dave broke his leg. I don't think he had a broken leg yet. Right. I feel like it was on that run. And, uh, and I don't know that that was probably like the first big show in England that we did. For, yeah. for that tour, I think, but I could be screwing. Yeah, that, that, that was a huge. But show. I remember they gave us. They, I remember they, they they came in and they gave us jerseys, you know, with right. our names on the back. <laughs> and like as you guys know, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I was like, I was totally <laughs> stoked. You know, I mean, you're always stoked to play those big giant venues, and of course, a place like that has like, you know, has a lot of, um, you know, right. those, uh, the passionate Sunderland fans. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know yeah. one of them sitting right here. Yeah. Um, but I remember getting that getting that shirt and thinking like, oh, I better not say I'm an Arsenal fan. <laughs> I'm just gonna make this <laughs> just, whole room just to sad. Quali- just to qualify it, you're a legitimate Arsenal fan because I remember recently you posted a picture of you wearing an Arsenal shirt in about 1996. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. so, so yeah, you're a legitimate Arsenal yeah. fan. You know, just a Johnny come lately. He was like, pick a Premier League team since it's he got funny. on TV over here. And be like, oh, I'll pick them and just follow them. You've I'll tell you a funny a story. I was recently on Jonesy's jukebox. You know, with Steve Jones. Yeah, who's like a super duper Chelsea fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and he asked me why I was an Arsenal fan and it goes back to, I have like no reason really, you know, I just picked him. But the reason that I picked him is because I had just read at the time that Johnny Rotten book, uh, no 
blacks, no dogs, no Irish. Yeah. Um, where he, and you know, he grew up in, in North London and is like a rabid Arsenal fan. He just talked about it. And at that time, that was like 1993 or something that I read that book. And I didn't know anything about football. And I just thought, I don't know what that's all about, but that'd be my team. Right. And then, that, then that's the only reason that, that I'm an Arsenal fan. And then, you know, once, when I started touring over there, um, you know, I started going to games and, and, yeah. and sort of trying to follow it. But back then, like, we didn't, it wasn't as easy over here. Because it wasn't uh, like on NBC and everything every weekend. Right. So now it's really like they've made it. It's great. You can just watch the games all the time now. Yeah, so yeah. now you're a, you're a football fan. You're a huge boxing fan. And I know that you do football but soccer training as well with, sure. with Steve and Stephen. Stephen, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you obviously do the boxing training with Glenn. So, I mean, what's, what's all about it? Is that cause you, something that you, would, you wish you could have done, like being a professional soccer player or footballer? No, it's funny. I... Was um, I was uh, the only sport I ever played really growing up was soccer, you know, and I played that all through elementary school. And then I never thought about it back then, but I figured it out after the fact that the second I started playing guitar was exactly when I stopped playing soccer. Mm -hmm. And then all through junior high and high school, I never played any sports. And I just, you know, I was like a musician. I was into like rock music, and I was was like, sports are so lame. Right. And I felt, and then it wasn't until my like, 20s that I started exercising and getting back. And then I remember trying when I lived in San Francisco to go play in a pickup game. It was the weirdest thing because I was like, I played my whole childhood. I can't remember anything about how, I don't remember any, I have lost all sense of like soccer IQ. It was like two separate worlds back then as well. I remember growing up, I was like, I was really into sports as a teenager. But then when I started getting really into music, I started like hating sports totally. and hating activity and yeah. hating being fit. I was like, ah, oh. it was like, yeah, I wanted foot, to be like pale going to the gym. And skinny, and yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm just so into music. And then yeah. it's like, now it's become like trendy almost to be a musician who's like, you know, it's not trendy, but it's like, it's, it's way more common more now accepted, to find musicians who yeah. are into sport and, yeah. and, and, and vice versa. But I had, my, my best friend growing up in, in, in England was YTS at Blackpool and he was um, with Manchester United as a youth. And me and him were just rabid music fans. That's all we wanted to do was come mm. to LA and play music. We was into mu- music, music, music. And he he had the same sort of mentality. He could have been like a, a Premier League footballer. He's like, I hate it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go to preseason. I just want to go to LA. I just want to play music, yeah. write, write, write and record songs. And that's all we cared about. So it was like two totally different worlds. It was yeah. weird. Yeah. I think it's it's different now. Like I, I see it in my own kids. Um, you know, I have a 13-year-old, 10-year-old, and a 9-year-old. And everything about like my childhood was like divisions you know you yeah. were like and even within like you know we were into like rock music but like even if within that, that like like it. i was a kiss fan not an acdc you know there was even like to that point yeah right. so everything was very divided and then when you get into like junior high it was like there were like trendy kids and punkers and yeah. heavy metal kids and there were some mods and then some couple of skinheads and yeah. there was like everything was in there and then some goths and everything was like Definitely. very specific in particular and um and if you were into certain things, you probably weren't into other things. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I see it with my own kids that there's absolutely none of that anymore. What is your kids into? Do they like your music? What do they think about what you they, break, I, right? they, they, they do like, like Foo Fighters. It's funny. Right now, my oldest is listening to nothing but hip-hop, like current right. hip-hop. My middle guy is listening to Zeppelin and The Police because um, that's what he's learning in his little like music class at school. And then my youngest is listening to um, anime theme songs. <laughs> so they're all like, like they're all yeah like like you know like those like Japanese you know crazy right. like it sounds like 
you know, loudness, but with synthesizers or <laughs> right, something, right. you know what I mean? Where does your passion for boxing come from? Because, I mean, just speaking to you the other day in the gym, I can tell, like, you're, you're really knowledgeable about your boxing and you're a big fan. Well, my oldest brother, Mike, was, and I don't know why, because no one in my family was, like, into boxing or anything, but my oldest brother, Mike, was really into boxing when we were kids. And he still is, but, like, he was the only person in my family that was into any kind of sport at all. Like, you know, right. my my... We weren't raised by my dad for the most part, and, but he wasn't into sports anyway. And my mom maybe watched a little tennis on TV or something like that. But um, yeah, so my brother Mike, you know, and you got to figure that was through like the, those incredible years of like Ali and Frazier and, and Foreman and leading into like, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard and, and right. Hagler, like all, all that stuff. My brother Mike actually saw Ali fight um, in Washington, D.C. We used to wow. live back east for a couple of years and he saw him fight. Evangelista, I forget, I forget what the guy's name was, but he saw Muhammad Ali fight. How old you for that? He was like a little kid at that point. My right. my dad like dropped him off at, at the arena, you know. <laughs> he right. went in there and did the you know whole thing uh, by himself, oddly enough. But so it, it's funny because I didn't like boxing growing up, and I associated it with my older brother Mike, and I would give him a stick about it. You know, so lame, turn that junk off, bleh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But somehow it just as an influence got in there. And then there was a point in my 20s where, I don't know why, but it just, I know what it was. I, I took a kickboxing class, and, and I, was, I took a couple of them, and I was like, that's, I like that, but I, it hurts my feet, so I'm just going to take a <laughs> boxing class. <laughs> and then I started taking a boxing class, and then I just started following it, you know, yeah. and it was like, it just, I just got And you had hooked. a couple of white collar fights too, right? I did, yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, yeah. I did, yeah. Wow. When I was like in my late 20s, early 30s, I did like a, a few white collar fights. And I actually did a few. I was just, just at the end of being able to do some amateur fights. Wow. And I got beat down. <laughs> like everyone, I think I fought maybe three or four times and I lost them all. And a couple I, I did all right, but just didn't do enough to win. And then uh, I remember my first one, I got my ass handed to me pretty yeah. bad. Like, you know, where I was like, wow, that's a lot different than the gym. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, how, do you, how do you think that boxing helps with your playing your guitar for the full fighters? Ooh, well, you know, I, there was a time when I used to bring all my gear with me on tour and, and, and I would just, in any town we were in, I would find a gym and, and go get a workout in. And I'm not that rabid about it anymore, but... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, it's funny. Once I started training, I mean, you guys probably do this too. Like, pretty much every moment of my life, I'm, I'm like shadow boxing in my head. Right, like, yeah. do you do that too? Like, so even before we go on stage, I'm like throwing punches and trying to get warmed up. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. but I feel like every time I have like a spare moment, anytime I walk by like a window where I can yeah. see my reflection, I'm kind of like, yeah, you know? <laughs> like it's like warped me for life. Right. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about uh, the big fight that happened last week with yeah. Anthony Joshua and Klitschko. How did you enjoy that? That was absolutely amazing. I mean, like, the heavyweight division has been kind of subpar for a long time. I mean, really since, like, Lennox Lewis right. retired. Like, the last really, to me, amazing, you know, jumping out of your seat heavyweight fight that I, that I remember that really left a mark was when Lennox Lewis fought Vitaly Klitschko. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was the last time I was really, like, shouting a thing. And, like, there's been a bunch of good fighters through that time. And, you know, obviously, Vladimir Klitschko is a great fighter. And it's not his fault, but most of the people that he's fought, you know, they get in there, they take a couple shots, and they just, they're just trying to survive. Right. You know what I mean? And this fight was incredible. It was so hyped up that at first, you know, 
you think, oh, it'd be hard for it to live up to the hype. And then the first few rounds were kind of boring. And you're like, oh, no, is this going to be a stinker? And yeah. then all of a sudden, like, what was it, round five or whatever, it just kicks off. And you're like, what yeah, is going it was on? Unbelievable, yeah. yeah that, it that's really what was. I said after the first two rounds. I was like, oh, I hope this is not going to be another Tyson Fury flight right. where Klitschko never flew through any right hands. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden, it was, it was the fifth round when Joshua just come out flying. Flying. And put it on him and like, nearly knocked him out. That, yeah. fight, that, that round was incredible because he almost knocks Klitschko out. So close. But by the end of the round, Josh was almost out on his he was feet. Out, yeah. Like he was right. messed up by the end. Of, like, so, I mean, that to me was like, I mean, the fight was incredible. And, you know, what a great accomplishment for Anthony, Anthony Joshua. I take nothing away from him. But I will say, I thought the stoppage was just a little, a little premature. We just a little premature. That. Yeah. You know? so, yeah. Which to me opens up the question because, like, you know, he had thrown a lot of shots that round. If, Klitschko, and he didn't land anything. Not one shot in that last period landed. And yeah. you deal, you're talking about Klitschko as well. It's right. Like, it's experience. experience. It's yes. somebody who can go through that 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 the knockdown and come back and, and, the and fight's grab already, and hold. And, and it's already survive, gone like this. You know? you know, he's already come back yeah, from yeah. that in that fight. Yeah. Why not just let it go until the guy's on his back? Because had he landed one more shot, he probably would have been yeah. asleep. So why not just give him the benefit of that? But to me, I think that makes for a great he's, rematch. He's so bloodthirsty, isn't he? Like, <laughs> why not just let him get knocked out? Yeah. Let him get back. He's not really bad. Uh, but yeah, I would have... This is why he like hates Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> I, would like to see, I would like to have seen at least an extra 10 seconds. Right. Yeah. See, yeah. after that flurry of punches, like you said, Joshua was getting tired because he put a lot in that round. After yeah. that flurry of punches, just see what happened. Yeah. If you backed off or really went attacked again. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and yeah. I think, I think, you know, so that makes for a... A massive rematch, yes. which I don't know if you know, but Klitschko has got the rematch in in the contract, right? For the it's rematch, it's not really right. been talked about in all, all the social media that I've seen. No one's really been talking about the the rematch yet. Mm. I don't think it seems to be I'm just Klitschko's done. Joshua's the new king. No one's really mentioned the rematch yet, right? Well, it seems like I mean, who knows? You know what? Klitschko didn't say anything about it being a premature stoppage after right. you know after yeah. the fight. So who knows exactly what he's thinking, but you would think that he would want to have a rematch and so, you would yeah. think that they would do it again. That's like the biggest fight for either of them to have. So right. what, what are your thoughts on, on Tyson Fury? We've, we spoke earlier on, on a previous podcast about how my perspective was that he doesn't get enough credit for going to Germany and beating Klitschko right. pretty convincingly. Right, right. Whereas Joshua, everyone's hailing him as like the next Ali and whatever. And, and I mean, he's the real deal. I'm not taking anything away from him, but... I just feel like everyone's kind of forgot about what Tyson Fury went and done. Right. Well, you know, I mean, that's kind of Tyson Fury's fault. Like, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, he what he did is a great accomplishment, and he's a great fighter. Mm -hmm. But, you it's know. It's his fault for not being a, with matchroom boxing and Sky Sports. That's well, it's, it's his fault for flaming out and going and doing a bunch of coke and going to rehab or whatever. Right. You know, I don't, I don't know the guy. I don't know what the reality of his situation is. But, you know, if he wanted to have fought in the last 17 months, he certainly could have. So, yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's on him. You know, I mean, it's such a classic thing. I mean, how many fighters have we seen get to the top of the mountain and then they, they're never the same yeah. ever again. They're never they normally win lose, the title and normally they're never no, the same. They normally lose at the top. Like, then they'll, they'll win the title then they'll lose a fight. Right. And then they'll go downhill. Right. They'll never win undefeated. The high, yeah, and then. Undefeated. Then go off the reels. Right. No one really done that. I mean, yeah. Joe Calzati. So he's breaking bit, new yeah. ground. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, who you a fan of? Um, I mean, there's so many great fighters. I love Triple G. I mean, I love, right. love, love Triple G. He's amazing. But um, and also, you know, Lomachenko is probably to me the right. most exciting guy in boxing right now. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I was listening probably to some, the best fighter in the world. You yeah, know? someone was. Uh, I think it was Joe Rogan was was saying Lomachenko was the greatest fighter of all time. 
That's what he mm. said. 396 and one. Is that what his record was? That's his amateur record, yeah. 396 and one? Yeah. I mean, with his footwork and... But it, I mean, I know he, he lost his like, second fight, though. Right? Yeah, his first fight, second fight. First yeah. or second fight. But there's an argument that he won that fight. There's too, a pretty right? good argument. I mean, if you watch that fight, yeah. I, I thought he won that fight. He just got bullied a little bit. It's right. Like a lot of like, low blows and heads coming yeah. in. And, yeah. Are you an MMA fan as well? I don't follow it. No? I'm not like not a fan, but I just I don't know it really. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. I never followed it at all until I started training Brendan Schaub, uh, UFC heavyweight fighter. And I fell in love with that sport. Mm. Kind of overtook boxing at one point. I'm back at boxing now. But like, See, I think that that's really interesting because, you know, there's so much back and forth about, you know, MMA is better than boxing. Right. No, boxing is better than MMA. And the interesting thing that I've noticed, and um, and you're the only person I maybe know that do- this doesn't apply to, is that pretty much everybody mm-hmm. that I know that's a huge MMA fan is not a boxing fan right. and vice versa. Yeah. The people I know that are really into boxing don't follow MMA. It's like yeah. they're these they're two, two separate worlds, separate worlds yeah. and they're very different sports and skill sets, you yeah. know. Um, and yet there's this constant, it, like, debate about which one, and I think it comes down to which one's more violent or whatever, sort of the underlying subtext yeah. of, of that debate always, which I think is just kind of silly. One pattern that I've noticed, between, I think MMA fans are a lot less patient than boxing fans in mm. terms of what they expect. Oh, yeah. Because purely because the UFC have created this knockout, brutal, you know, bloodthirsty culture of just like this guy gets destroyed, this guy gets knocked out. And it's, right. it's pretty, you know, it's violent, it's brutal. And they've created that demand for it and that expectation for it. So now I feel like there's a lot more skill coming into MMA, guys with good footwork, good kickboxing backgrounds. Mm. And the fights are a little bit more tactical and a bit more standoffish, and there's more stand-up going on now than I think there, there has ever been in MMA. Correct me if I'm wrong; I've never really followed it no, that you're much, right, but you're from right. just from the outside observing it, and I think there's less tolerance for that among MMA fans. They well, get I a think- fight where there's guys using footwork, being cautious. They, they, they don't. don't they, 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 there's no patience for it. Like two right. minutes of that, like ooh, fuck this. Right, right. Whereas boxing fans, I think. There's still a lot of impatience in boxing fans too, but I think there's a lot more, you know, boxing purists who understand what goes on in in a, in a boxing match. Who right, will allow rounds to go on where it's more tactical and right. You know, they're not just oh, I'm just tuning in just purely for a knockout. Well, like my sense of MMA, one thing I I, I like about it, if this is true, because I don't, for all I know, I'm dead wrong here. But um, since it's under, you know, the UFC is like the is it. Yeah. Really, right? I mean, aren't there some other small? Yeah, there's pretty like much Bellator, just, right? But the UFC is like the big dog yeah. in, in yeah. that game, so it seems like they all fight each other in a way that, you know, as boxing fans, we just you almost never get that. Yeah. You know, the right. way like the the best don't fight the best in boxing because they have different promoters and different network deals and all that sort of that, stuff. That monopoly of the sport is definitely right. a, a benefit. Right, you get the best. I mean, it's, it's funny because when when what's his name started um, Premier Boxing Champions, you know. Um, Who's the guy? Al Heyman. Al Heyman. Yep. Yeah. I actually, as much as I mean, I don't like the idea of there being a monopoly exactly. I did think, oh, this could be a good thing if you get signs a like, you know, everybody. And there's like, right. you know, it's the UFC of boxing. And it, of course, didn't work out that way at all. But it's, that's, that is probably the most frustrating thing about being a boxing fan is, yeah. is that the top guys don't fight each other oftentimes. I think, I think it's got a little bit better over the last year or two. Yeah, I think it's it getting did. But there. then the, the big one was Canelo Triple G. That, that fight that, not happened. That'll should, happen. I, I think it should have happened, though, shouldn't it? 
It should have happened. I actually think it's fine to let that one marinate. Do? Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Because, you know, you see in Triple G's last fight when he fought Danny Jacobs, totally hard fight, probably yeah. his hard, toughest fight to date. You know, it's like how often do you see that guy lose rounds? Yeah. It doesn't happen, you yeah. know. Um, and, and he's fighting this guy who's a giant, you know, and the guy's and physically, you know, so much bigger than he was. And, um, and I think that was good to see him struggle a little bit. And, may, you know, maybe that'll make Canelo just a little bit that, like, you know, oh, I can beat that. Yeah, that, that, puts <laughs> the, that puts the value of the Canelo Triple G fight through the roof. Totally. Now, now that we've seen Triple G has got an ounce of, he's, he's I a, think he a, is human. Right, I think it yeah. puts the value down of the fight. Really? Because he's, some people thought that Triple G lost that fight, mm -hmm. you know. People want to see the rematch with Triple G and Danny Jacobs. Right. Where before Triple G was untouchable. Right. No one would touch him and that's why they want to see Canelo. Now it's like, Oh, he's kind of beatable. It's an interesting way of looking at it, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I think the if you really want to get into conspiracy theory, maybe Triple G did that on purpose. Man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe. Are you a Floyd Mayweather fan? I am not. No. At Why? all. We've but had I this discussion many times. <laughs> yeah, you know? We debate this all the time. Um, I, you know, I don't, uh, I don't like the way, I just don't like his, his fight style. You know, I don't like, I don't enjoy watching his fights is what it comes down You're to. right. He does like blood, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. He wants the knockouts. He uh, wants a good scrap. There's so, nothing wrong with that. Right. Well, and, I like, and, I like a little you, bit of both. I like yeah, a little yeah. bit of both. I like the guys. I mean, the guy like... And Lomachenko is a perfect example about that. Like, just because you're highly skilled doesn't mean you have to be boring. That guy's like as skilled as... He's the most skilled yeah, guy he's, right he's, now. He's aggressive with his skill. He's also the most exciting. You, right. know? you like yeah. him because he's aggressive with his skill, right? Yeah. 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 He's, he's, not, he's not that big of a puncher, but he still goes forward and he still gets involved with the fight. Mayweather was the opposite but did, I enjoyed that me with the Pacquiao fight I thought he would give him a right. boxing lesson really and, 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 and like there's, I don't know anyone else who's really said that I think Glenn said it right? <laughs> I don't know anybody I, I enjoyed said it that. yeah I could, <laughs> I could watch that stuff all night Be it's because so fascinating to see to make someone like that Manny Pacquiao look like average Joe it just makes you think wow well he yeah. looked like an average Joe in that fight because A he's old and shot by the time they fought yeah. and he's also injured yeah, you know if injured. that's true with yeah. the shoulder right. injury which who, who knows um, but he's certainly way past his his best fighting days. You know, yeah. I mean, that fight was five years too late. But so is Mayweather, least. I think, too. Yeah, but you know, but less. But the with the way that he fights, a lot less wear and tear. Yeah. You know, he yeah. you can do that longer than. That's what I like about him, though, because to me, that's smart. He's used his skill and his his his, his intelligence. Not even just his ring IQ, but his business IQ as well. To to do what he's done and come out of it with his with his marbles still and well, be 40 years old and retired with the amount of money that he's got. It's just like, I can't have nothing but respect for somebody who's done that. I'll it, tell especially you this, out of the fight game. To it's me, insane. it was, what he did to boxing is, it was incredibly harmful to the sport. And I'll tell you it, uh, the, the greatest example of that is the fight that we're talking about with Manny Pacquiao where I was at this school fundraiser. For, it was actually Dave Grohl's kids' school. We were playing, right? So I was there with a bunch of people I didn't know. It was like a sea of strangers. And, they, and it was the night of the fight, and they had a TV there to, to put the fight on because obviously everybody wants to, wanted to see it. Yeah. And for a fight like that that was like, you know, the biggest fight in the history of yeah. boxing, huge opportunity to go out there and put on a show and entertain people, right? And it was so interesting to, it was like, I, because I didn't know anybody, I was just sitting there amongst this big crowd of people watching it and I was listening to them talking and they were clearly like not boxing fans you know yeah, like yeah. just casual sports fans you know right. it's exactly the kind of people you want to draw into you know boxing because yeah. boxing is like a fringe sport nowadays right. you know 
And bef- like when they're doing the ring walk and it's like the beginning of the fight, every- people are sitting there going, oh, it's going to be crazy, man. He's gonna- Mayweather's going to knock him out in the third and somebody else will be like, no way, Pacquiao's going to get him in the fifth. All that, the stuff kind of based in nothing. Don't know boxing. Totally. Yeah. But okay, ton- but my point is tons of excitement. Oh, it's yeah, yeah. going to be nuts. Here we go. <laughs> By the middle of the fight, it's silent. Okay. Right. By the end of the fight, people are going, fuck these motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it was anger. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And which is what, that's what I thought the fight was going to be. But that's like, you know, it was the same thing when Mayweather fought Dale, a huge fight. And I was in a, at a party watching it. People were just like, fuck this. You yeah, know what right. I mean? Like, I mean, it's got to be entertaining. You know? Well, me, the thing the thing that killed it was me. Whether his last fight against was it Andre Berto. Oh, I didn't even yeah. watch that. Oh, yeah. mate, it was like, man, what are you doing? Come on, mate. Like, right. why are you fighting Andre Berto? Yeah. Right. When you could be fighting Amir Khan or who else was in the mix? There was someone else good in the mix as well. Right. Yeah. I can't remember. What What have your thoughts on the 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 fight? The only fight that people's really talking about now in in the world is well, not in the world, but in MMA boxing is me with the first McGregor. Mm. I think that that's an, a really, really painfully easy fight to call. If it's a yeah. boxing match, Mayweather is going to yeah, win a easy. That's awesome. if, if that's what they're going to do, then yeah. I mean, come on, no contest. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys watch. I think you showed me that footage of McGregor sparring. Yeah. It was so bad that you're almost like, is he putting that out there as like a joke? Is that yeah. like supposed <laughs> to fool the public? I mean, I hate to get too conspiratorial about it, but like, I mean, Whatever skills go into being an MMA fighter, it's a different skill set than being a, a boxer. So to right. then go step in the ring against like the best fighter in the world, or you know, who's been doing it since he was or yeah. born, you know, right? I mean, come on, no, the guy has no chance. Would you watch it? I would watch it just yeah. for the freak value of it. Yeah, but yeah. you know, guys like us, we're going to watch every fight. You know, they yeah. don't have to serve our right. interests. You totally. know what I mean? Would you pay it's for like, it? Would you pay hundred dollars for it? Yes, of yes, course. I yeah, would. Because yeah. <laughs> you know the build-up's going to be insane. Yeah, yeah. And, right. and you know the both going to earn like a hundred oh, million. It's going to be yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I really watch it just to see. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I honestly think in a fight like that, like Mayweather never tries to knock anybody out, but he might just accidentally knock him out. Yeah, yeah. He's going to be so. He's going to. Yeah. I mean, come on. He's next gonna, level. It's funny because there's so many MMA talking about MMA and boxing. So many MMA fans, like they'll, they'll ask us, "Who do you think's going to win?" And I'm like. Well, Mayweather, obviously. Yeah. But you know, I think if McGregor lands a left hand, he's going to knock him out. I went, well, no, definitely not. Because look, look at Manny. Well, look at look at Mayweather's last 20 opponents. All of them will, will beat uh, McGregor. I've even right. spoke to uh, Brendan Schaub about this. And he's, he's on this, what you just said. He's saying, well, Mayweather, McGregor's going to be in front of him. He's going to be over here. He's going to be over here. He's going to be switching stances and fitting. Brendan thinks McGregor's got a chance. Yeah, based on this, based on this, that it's a style that he's never seen. So he's going to bring something in that Mayweather's never seen before. But in and a that's boxing the, that's ring, the there's argument. not one thing that Mayweather's exactly. never seen. Right. That's but crazy. he said he could be doing really weird, freaky shit, and like he'll be just all over the place, switching stances and moving so unorthodox that he's never seen anything like this that it, it will throw him off. I mean, you know, and okay. I thought that's that's the only argument that I've heard. For, for McGregor that I've thought wow that's actually well that, that a rings true point. a little bit only because the guys that Mayweather struggled with in his career were the guys that were a little unorthodox, unorthodox you know right? it was Madonna yeah. guys like that you yep. know what I mean that, that, that do throw shots from crazy angles yeah that, yeah I mean, I mean hey this is professional boxing and if McGregor lands a big shot he lands a big shot and, you know that, yeah. then he could certainly hurt him but I, I, it's really simple. If it's a boxing match, Mayweather wins. And, and if, by the same token, if it's an MMA fight, how he many, would, McGregor would kill him. How many know? fights is, is Mayweather? Like, he's 49 and all, right? Something like that, yeah. So in 49 fights, he's been hurt, I think, 
once, maybe twice, twice. Ro- right. once or twice. Mosley's yeah, yeah, yeah. right hand, and then against. Madonna. Um, Madonna. Yeah, no. Also, also, what's his name? Uh, was it Sean Bay Mitchell or, or one of those guys? Yeah, in his earlier fights. That fought, yeah, fought the early in the early fights. fight. It wasn't Sean Bay Mitchell. A lot of people, people say Colazzo really beat him as well. People gave Colazzo that fight, right? And he fought. Did Mayweather him. fight Colazzo? Was it Colazzo? I can't remember. I think it was. I don't remember. But anyway, so just out of his 49 fights, everyone goes, well, if he catches him, if he catches him, look, he's been landed on clean once, maybe twice in 49 fights. Right. It's Against like, the best that's fighters how in, hard in the it world. Is. Yeah. That's how hard it is to hit him. It's like, come on. Do you know who T.G. Dillashaw is? No. No. So he was at MMA, I think, featherweight champion. And uh, I'm not sure what weight he was, but he was a, a smaller guy, a champion. And he's got the most unorthodox style you've ever seen where he moves, which is that stance. Yeah, yeah, Great footwork. Amazing footwork. And a decent boxer, right? He sparred with uh, Lomachenko. Lomachenko, yeah. Lomachenko schooled him. Like, like, and talking about what Brendan says, I would like to come back with Brendan with this. And like, uh, well, look, there's a, one of the most awkward styles. Yeah. In MMA, yeah. even more with McGregor and a boxer. I mean, Lomachenko just plays with what, him. What TJ Dillashaw said about that spar was that he, I think he did two rounds maybe to start, and then they asked him back to do four rounds or five rounds the second time. But he said when he sparred him the, for the four rounds or the five rounds, he saw that Lomachenko just basically just watched his movements for two rounds without doing anything, programmed his movements and his style and his patterns into his head and then just went to work. Mm. And, he's, and TJ Dillashaw said, he said he, he could just hit me whenever he wanted. Mm. And he was kind of pulling his punches a little bit. Really? And he said, I just knew he could take me out or knock me out at any time that he wanted. Well, people, I mean, why do, I, it's a debate I don't even understand because it's just two different sports, two different skill right. sets, yeah, yeah, different so. things going to each of them. Like, yeah. you know, one isn't better than the other. They're just, it's different. Two, you know, it's yeah. like arguing about... No baseball, no basketball. It's like right, right. Yeah. It's just two different things. You know? One thing you mentioned before about Mayweather killing boxing as right. a spectacle. I wanted to relate that point to soccer because I feel like the World Cups, the World Cup, kind of does the same thing. Mm. Every four years, everyone's building it up. Oh, World Cup, World Cup, we all get excited for it, right? And then I feel like the American networks are trying to sell this sport to the general public. Still, they want right. it up there with. NFL and baseball and right. NBA, they want soccer to be up there. And I think the reason why it never will be is because the majority of casual fans who don't watch soccer will tune in for the World Cup yeah. and they'll see a nil-nil draw between two random countries or whatever. And it's not that ex- exciting of a sport well, to watch. Point. Right. It's and a, now they're, aren't and they then, expanding and then the they've amount sat of teams there, too? They've sat there for an hour and a half two hours out of their day and seeing no goals and right. they're like what this is well, soccer like, like what's the big deal you know right. and I feel like every year the World Cup it, the, the games are so dull and it's just getting more and more strategic every right. year to, you know what I mean I think you can kind of relate that to boxing too because I was having this you know I'm obviously a, a huge boxing fan and it's you know it's one of the only sports I even really follow but I know so many people I think I was having this conversation with with Taylor our drummer recently and and I forget exactly what we were talking about, but I said, you know, in boxing, like, 
you know, 49 out of 50 fights you watch are boring and terrible. It's like the worst is two guys holding each other and sweating yeah. and not doing a whole lot of anything. But then you get that one what? magic fight, like what, you know, like the Klitschko Joshua fight. Right. That's just like fireworks. And it makes all those other shitty ones you watch somehow worth it. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I think a lot of I'm, sports are like that. I, I'm, I'm such a nerd with it, though, that I could put on the Showbox on Friday nights on Showtime, watch two prospects who were like, 10 and 0 or whatever right? and, and watch that and just, I could watch it all night because it's such, such respect and interest in the skill of boxing Yeah, I don't care who's fighting I'm just, I just love watching sure. any, any fight Yeah, I'm not watching it to watch a knockout or right. to watch like glory See, I'm, I'm the total opposite when I was growing up uh, I started boxing when I was 10 years old I had 106 fights in my career and when I was growing up I would go box at these tournaments and because I was a, a heavier kid I was a bigger kid though I always put the lighter ones on first I would be waiting, I would be on 60th mm. or, or, or 40th, like last on these tournaments. Yeah. So I've got to sit there through 40, 50 fights before <laughs> I start warming up. So now, unless it's a friend or a big fight, yeah. I'll not watch it. You don't give That's a why yeah. people are coming here all the time, did you see this in this fight? And I'm like, no. Nah. Yeah. Oh, that- Boxing for you, though, that's the same way I am with music. Like when I was a kid or even like you know 20 years ago or whatever like you know i could could not wait to go to anybody's show i'm so happy to be at a gig and woo and yeah. never thought about like oh parking's gonna be a disaster or any of that kind of stuff yeah and nowadays you know what i mean it's just it's like a huge effort to get yeah, to a yeah, show like, oh, God, go to the, all the way across town like you know they're not playing till 11 oh yeah yeah all this stuff uh, so let, let's uh moving forward where where would you see your what what is your next goal your, your solo thing now? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I, I put out this solo record, um, and we're getting ready to go, you know, do this Foo Fighter touring stuff. So um, I guess my next goal, you know, I don't know when I'm going to have another little break in my schedule exactly to go out and do some more shows for my own thing, probably not for a little while. Um, I'd like to do that again, you know, at some right. point and, yeah. and go out and support the record. And there's a whole lot of places that I haven't been to with that yet. Right. Um, and then I just, you know, I want to make another record, you know, quickly so is that is that kind of what, what you do now that's like your goal you get does that make you small goals have you got a long-term goal or just little small goals even there? it's just kind of small goals i mean i got like you know obviously like being a foo fighter is full-time you right. know that's and more than full-time that's like you know when we're working that's your whole life you know and then you've got your family and that's full-time yeah. you know um so between those two things like i don't have a lot of extra time but then in that i'm squeezing in like doing solo gigs making a solo record i got my podcast thing um that i work on and i've and and then i've been working on this tv show thing that you know fingers crossed we'll see if that goes so there's a bunch of you know a bunch of stuff that I that I've got so just going on right now. Most, so. Mostly just to stay busy and keep being creative, and probably. Yeah, right. I mean, I like working. Yeah, you know, I like I got all these different interests and, and yeah, yeah. things. I like I've, since I started doing my own podcast, I've, I've figured out I really like doing that. I like interviewing people. Yeah. What's your podcast called? It's called Walking the Floor. Walk on the floor. And what's yeah. that about? It's like I interview uh, mostly other musicians. Most of them are like Americana or country artists right. um, oh, we nice. just talk about you know same kind of thing we're talking about what are you into and yeah. how did you get into music and right that kind of thing uh, what else does being a foo, foo fighter uh do like what else do you do like you obviously make music and is there anything else outside of that you've got to do 
Well, the the thing is, like when when the when it appears that we're not doing anything, we're actually usually doing something, right? You know, whether it's like you know rehearsing to get ready to go to or making a record or rehearsing to make a record or you know whatever it is. There's kind of always stuff going on, um, and then you know if we're in the middle of an album cycle, that is just like you're just gone a lot, yeah, doing that, you know, touring and and traveling, and and that'll usually you know an album cycle is usually like a year or so of. Of, of of going out and, and promoting your record. How close are you to the other boys in the band? Um, well, you know, we've been playing together for a long time, so it's like when we're... And, and you wind up being in a band with people, you wind up spending so much time together right. because you're, you know... Most of being in a band is sort of like hurry up and wait. You know, you got to get yeah. to the gig at 3 o'clock, but you don't play till 9, or you're, you know, so you're kind of sitting around. Um, so it is a funny thing because you wind up spending... Like, I probably, if you added it all up, spend more time with the guys in my band than... My family, or something, yeah, yeah. you know, are I mean? probably pretty close. Um, but uh, but you know, when we're not when we're not working, it's like I think everybody just kind of goes and is. And we've all got families, we've yeah, all yeah. got kids. You know, everybody's like doing the same kind of thing. You know, you're taking your kids to school and soccer practice, and so you know, going to the gym or whatever with, it is. What with that said, let's get down to the real shit. What's the, <laughs> what, what's the uh, best story? Or what? Give me like. I mean, if you can, if you can give the story. Since you joined the Food Fighters, what's like the best thing that's happened? Like the maybe the funniest or the best story that you could tell. Ooh, God, that's a tough one. That's like one for the for the memoirs. Um, a real highlight. A real highlight. It probably involves the Gallagher brothers, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. There was a. I remember. I have a real blurry memory of winding up in Liam Gallagher's room, like in somewhere in Australia with Shit. the Man City game on and like smoking a bunch of pot with them. <laughs> like, so it's, it's blurry at best. Um, God, I don't know. There's been so many like kind of like, wow, I can't believe we're doing this moments. You know, I think like, you know, playing Wembley is one of those moments. Right. You know, it was funny. I was watching, um, I watched like the highlights of the fight of the yeah. Klitschko Joshua fight and, um, and the announcer goes, it's like a Foo Fighter concert here really? in Wembley, 90,000 people. I was like, whoa, Shit. that's wow. wild. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's just been so many. It seems like every time we put out a record, there's, I tell you the highlights, the things I get the biggest kick out of now is like when we go somewhere we've never been. And it seems like every tour cycle, there's like, you know, you, you tick one more place off, off new that city. box. Yeah, 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 you know, or like new country or, you know, we played in Colombia last time around. It was insane, right. you know, like it's crazy. Does it surprise you like, even still, like you've got fans like everywhere, like like Colombia. Yeah, so, well, fans are kind of different everywhere you go. You know, like um, even like you know the British fans have always been the craziest ones. You right. know, that was really the first. The UK was the first place that we ever got like big, big. Like first place we ever did our own arena tour oh, really? was in the UK. The first place we ever played stadiums was in the UK. All that kind of stuff. But then you go to like you know we 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 hadn't toured South America. Like, we'd only ever played, in the years that I was in the band, we played once in Brazil for Rock and Reel a long time ago, like, pretty much when I first joined the band, then we never went back again for years and years. And the last couple records, we've gone down there and done some shows, and that's just been mind-blowing. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, South American fans are crazy. <laughs> Maybe crazier than anywhere, you know. Really? It's, it's just Have you been in Asia yet, in Australia? Oh, yeah. We always go to Australia. Yeah. Right. Love it. What about Asia? Um, we don't tour Asia that much. Just Japan, uh, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we usually go to Japan for a festival or two. Do you sell out in Japan? In Japan? Um, you know what? We, it's funny. Uh, this was actually quite a few years ago. You know, it's a funny thing. We have never done a Japanese tour 
in right. all the years I've been in the band. Um, we go over there just for like festivals or a couple shows or whatever. And we had a full-on tour booked. Of, like it was probably, I don't know when it was, 10 years ago or something. And it was smaller venues, you know, for us. Like it was like theater-sized venues. And it was all sold out and it was going to be great. But then um, uh, Dave had a problem with his throat and we wound up having to cancel it, which has been a, like kind of a long-running joke. Like every time we book a Japanese tour, <laughs> yeah. we wind up canceling it for right. one reason or another. Um, oh. I remember after that one, our manager was like... Yeah, we're probably not going back to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> one one thing I wanted to ask you was when you first joined, just being in the thought of being in a band with someone like Dave Grohl, who's just for anyone who doesn't know, was the drummer in Nirvana, right? Huge. And the whole story with Nirvana and Kurt Cobain and all that kind of stuff. How how much did that not make you nervous or anything, but how much was it like, wow, this is a crazy experience? How much of a, an a experience on your psyche was that going into that it's funny because i was like i said i mean obviously i was a huge nirvana fan just like anybody my age that you know at that time um and and i was a huge foo fighter fan before i joined the band so i when i first joined the band i would seriously have to like stop myself i would we'd be playing a show and i'd just be staring at dave right be like checking him out like (laughs) like, you know like i was in the crowd still you know what i mean like i "I gotta stop doing that you know look somewhere else yeah um but that was totally surreal bizarre you know like all of a sudden like I mean, just even funny things. Like, I remember my first audition, like, for whatever reason, um, I had it in mind that Dave was about my height, you know, and I'm, like, not very tall. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know what made me think that, but I always just thought we were about the same height. And um, I remember when I walked into the room for the audition, he was, like, you know, he's, like, 6'1", or something. I mean, he's not, like, a giant, but he's a pretty tall guy. And I remember just thinking, like, whoa, he's, like, larger than life, (laughs) you know? (laughs) What the hell? Yeah, it kind of, like, starstruck a little bit. Yeah, 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 big time. Big time. That's awesome, mate. Uh, so, Chris, if people want to find you, I mean, I really appreciate you coming on here. This was, oh, yeah. this was great, mate. Thanks I would ask, ask you questions all day long because I think you're very interesting and the way your life, what you do, I think it's just so interesting. And yeah. being from where I'm from, being where, from where Glenn from, Glenn's from as well, I'm sure, uh, we don't sit with people like you. But being in LA, I mean, we see you all the time, but I think it's it's great for you to come on here. You're very humble. you you, you can see why you're successful. You're a great guy. And uh, so thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Well, they can go to uh, chrisshifflettmusic.com or um, I'm on, uh, you know, Twitter. I think I'm chrisshifflett71. Yeah. And I'm on Instagram at shifty71. Right. And then uh, I'm on Facebook somewhere too. What's yeah. your home address? <laughs> <laughs> and you've yeah. got you've got the Walk in the Floor podcast. Walk in the Floor podcast. You can find it in like the iTunes Store or any of those you know digital and then streaming. The things. solo records on Spotify now too. Yeah, right? so uh, it's called West Coast Town, and it's nice. out everywhere. That's awesome. Good yeah. stuff. Well, thank you for listening, and remember to follow the Boxing Life podcast on Instagram at Boxing Life, and as well, Glenn. Like we said before, Glenn is giving someone. A free training session. Once we get to 50 reviews on iTunes, you're going to get you a free training session. So leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Until next time, we'll see you later. Thanks, everyone.